You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow the show on Twitter. Welcome back, Mike. Ah, Grump. I, you know, you go through months and months and months of analyzing all of this stuff and you talk yourself out of things and talk yourself into things. And at the end of the day, I think... Based upon where we were picking, you know, the value of picks, what our needs were, I, I really don't think things could, could have gone any better, to wow. be very honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw so many people saying this, that Gettleman killed this draft. Um, yeah. And I US- guess we, we sort of were overthinking it because I, I guess we had all this time to think, but the most obvious solutions were the ones that ended up being made. Yeah, I mean, to me, I mean, the big gamble is going to be, it's kind of a two-part thing. One... You have enough faith in Eli Manning that for the next two to three years, he's your quarterback. And once you make that decision, quarterbacks are kind of off the board right now. And two, we can do enough in the offensive line this year and next year. I mean, remember, this is not something awesome to be done at once or you're screwed, that we will have elite premier playmakers on this team. I mean, if we offensive line becomes at least adequate, if not the strength of the team, you're going to have... I think, you know, a top three receiver and a top three running back on your offense in the league. And probably a top three tight end. And potentially a top three tight end. So that is potentially scary to the rest of the, you know, the division, conference, and league. And I think it's easier to build your offensive line piece by piece by having to get guys like, you know, how hard is it to get an Adrian Peterson? How hard is it to get a Jerry Rice? They're almost impossible to get. You have the opportunity to get them, you get them. I think we can, you know, you don't need five all pros in your offensive line. You need solid guys who work as a unit. Yeah, I think you make a good point there. I mean, the only position on the offensive line where you could really make the same argument would be how hard is it to get a Tyron Smith or Joe Thomas. But that's just the left tackle position. And mm-hmm. that's that's your all pro. You know, other than that, I, I think if you have I think if you have like one all pro in your offensive line, no matter what the position is Everybody else just has to be adequate in working together. Right. And and there was no Joe Thomas available to get. There no. was the, – you didn't have that can't-miss Hall of Famer left tackle available if we were drafting one, two, or wherever. Oh, so, no, 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 no. Yeah, not right. So, I mean – so, again, so based upon where we were picking, what was available, and what were the value picks, I think we, we did as, as good as we could do. Now, history will tell us in two, three years to get them and make a colossal mistake – you know, not going after a quarterback. Well, don't let's, know. Let's dive into it. So, yeah, the first round, second overall pick, the Giants picked, and according to Dave Gettleman, the pick was in in two seconds. But they were told, I guess, for TV drama, that they have to wait five minutes before they can put it in. Uh, the Giants selected Saquon Barkley, the running back from Penn State. The interesting thing about Barkley, and I, I guess this is something that I realized later, and I, I thought the Giants were going to talk themselves into going Darnold if they couldn't trade down. But when I looked at it critically, stepping back, Barkley was, since he was a freshman, a very likely high-round draft pick. 
and has since then only had his stock rise. It has never taken a step back. Never. Not at any point in every season he's played. And, you know, through the combine, his his workouts, he's only had his stock rise. He was the clear best player in this draft because he was not a quarterback. There was some is probably the only reason why he didn't go first overall. There was some discussion that he would. So the Giants got the best player in this draft. He will make an instant impact, and he's just another weapon in the offense. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, and I think he also can make a below-average offensive line a little better. Yeah, you know, sure. He can you definitely you block, have, too. So. You're, you're, you're bringing that gap between that offensive line and backfield talent closer together. It doesn't have to be all on, well, we need a fantastic offensive line. If we had if we had five pro bowlers on the offensive line, we still our running back core is still pretty, at best, undetermined with a guy like Wayne Gallman. Yeah. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, someone like Paul Perkins – is your third back if he's even on the team anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, with that's Jonathan a, Stewart joining, whole, he may not even be on the team. Exactly, and that's a big difference in this time last year where he was going to be the starter. And people were saying Paul Perkins should be the starter, you know, I mean, yeah. right before we drafted Gallman. So well, that, by people, you mean head coach? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. We won't mention that guy anymore, actually. <laughs> but, it, but you know, it's, um, you know, the fact he can block. That will get him on the field even more. You know, a lot of times you see rookies, you know, in either freshmen or in college or rookies in the NFL. It's like you got to work on your pass protection if you want to see the field. I don't care if you're O.J. Simpson. You have to be able to protect the quarterback. And that will help the offensive line. The ability to not go down the first time he's touched helps the offensive line. The ability to be a bull but also be able to cut helps the offensive line. So, again, like I said earlier – Rebuilding offensive line is not going to happen in one draft and one free agent class, and it's not a. It has to be done by 2018 or, you know, fold the team. There's no point. So, I, I, I thought they were going to go this way. I thought they were going to try to make a deal, and it sounds like what Gettleman said that there was no trades that were worth even discussing. Yeah, it sounded like he wanted something to blow his socks off to take him away from Barkley. So his of analysis course, and- was in the 30 years that he's been grading players the only player he's ever graded higher than Barkley was Peyton Manning now I don't know how much of that I'm supposed to believe but if that is (laughs) true then I can't not be happy about this pick I just I also think I also think the only thing that is less believable is what you hear before a draft is what you hear after a draft yeah so That's actually another quote of his is they, somebody asked him how he felt about the draft. And he said, has any GM ever set up here and just said we just drafted crap? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty funny press conference. He was definitely playing up his shtick. Um, but I think, you know, something if you hit all your marks, what you're trying to do, you can afford to be a little goofy and funny. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, the, the decision was ultimately made that, you know, we are going with Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Davis Webb thing is kind of that's the – We'll get into him when we talk about the, the fourth pick later. But mm. if Eli Manning, you know, given the weapons he has and an offensive line's better, gives you two to three years, if he gives you two more solid years, this whole thing was worth it. Yeah, I, in my opinion, I mean, two years is a lifetime in the NFL. Yeah, and, and let's and, not you know, forget, who knows, even, even if the team falls apart with no quarterback after, if you win a Super Bowl, that's what the whole thing's about. I mean, we look exactly. at the Broncos and we laugh at them now, but they have a Super Bowl. They won it. Yeah. So. Yeah, ask Kansas City, ask teams like that that have have been in this league for 50, 60 years that have never won a world a Super Bowl. 
Would they trade? <laughs> I mean, you, they're right. The goal is to win the whole thing. And um, I, I think Eli, you know, again, we had this long conversation last week. Where do we think Eli is in the, you know, in the pantheon of this league? But I really think he's, you know, more than adequate that with weapons around him. Yeah. And we went 12 and four two years ago with a team that, you know, Talent-wise, isn't much different than it was last year. You know, again, the injuries are one thing, obviously a huge thing, and bad coaching. But well, we'll kind of segue this into the second-round pick. But with this, with the running game being the biggest issue, remember the change in scheme is going to help a lot. I mean, we we carried a fullback on the roster last year, but he didn't really see much time. I think that we'll we'll see more two tight end sets. We'll see more of the fullback actually doing fullback work. I think this running game and the play action, everything is going to change a little bit on offense for the better, for the run game, yeah. for play action, for the deep play action. Out. Play action is meaningless if you have no running game. Yeah. And it's so obvious when you're this obvious passing downs. It's just, it seems really silly. And, and so, for, uh, such a double-edged sword like Saquon Barkley who can run out of the backfield and also be a fantastic runner. I mean, he could be on – he's a three-down back. We haven't had a three-down back ever. Probably since Rodney Hampton. Yeah, I mean Bradshaw for a little bit tried it. Uh, wasn't wasn't great. Tiki, Tiki really wasn't. Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to go back to Rodney Hampton. Yeah, and that's that's a long time. I think before the Grump was even born. Rodney Hampton? It's not before I was born. <laughs> You're definitely in short pants. So. <laughs> um, in the in the second round, the Giants picked Will Hernandez at a UTEP. I could not. Believe I, I was screaming at my fucking computer screen for for Will Hernandez. <laughs> How he fell out of the first round is just a, a stroke of luck. Nobody traded up with Cleveland to hop the Giants and get him. It was fantastic. Um, I mean he he's the spitting image of Richie Incognito at left guard. He's mean. He's nasty. You know he's not the perfect. Is that a trick like him? <laughs> no, I mean he doesn't seem like a jerk. So, but. He he just he, he's just nasty. I mean, if you put on his tape, even his team didn't win any games last year, and he still played his heart out. I mean, you couldn't ask for a, a better guy to draft. So I guess the question will be, you know, is he going to start this season, you know, as your right guard, or what's going to happen with that? Because so, I, yeah, yeah, a lot of people were were wondering about that because of the Giants signed Patrick Omame from Jacksonville. I, I wouldn't get too excited about that. That free agent signing. I mean, he was the weakest link on Jacksonville's offensive line, which isn't to say he's bad. But Will Hernandez played all four years of college at left guard. I I, I struggle to think that he's going to suddenly take over the starting right guard position. You know, I I think it's more likely that a, an NFL starter would be able to make that transition faster than he could. Well, I think you know that's what the whole off season is going to be about. You know, which guy is best prepared and has the best tools to make that switch or, you know, something, you know, you don't know what happens in an NFL season. Someone gets hurt or something and, you know, there's your left guard. So yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, I think if, if you can kind of cross train one or of these guys or both of them to play both positions, that's just going to help. Well, I think that's the goal, but I think the idea of him starting at right guard for the season is, is presumptuous at best. You're, you're asking a lot for a rookie to, you know, Start Switch. playing in the league and playing a new position. Yeah, and, and some people have said it's not that big of a difference. I've seen this on Twitter. I had somebody say that to me. If you ask Jeff Schwartz what it's like to change from left to right, he'll tell you straight up. It's like 
trying to wipe your ass with the other hand. It's just it's different. <laughs> it, You're not used to it. And when somebody's pushing you out of the way, it's not the same. You can't just it, switch. If it, if it was that simple, everybody would have Eric Flowers penciled in at right tackle right now. And you see a lot of, you know, well, if the season started today, you yeah. don't see him as your starting right tackle. Yeah. So that switch is, is very difficult. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. And also, we may – who knows what we pick off the scrap heap. Yeah, you know, also true. You know, an unrestricted free agent after the draft, a, a, a late – preseason cut you know someone for cap reasons or something that you know we've gotten guys in the past guys like john jerry i think we got where kind of like late cuts yeah. we just happened to pick up and you know another cockroach that keeps surviving yeah in the third round the giants had two selections and they chose lorenzo carter from georgia outside linebacker the, the, the first pick i got the only pick i got right in this whole draft <laughs> um in all in all my time researching and you know writing all this stuff down Watching tape, Lorenzo Carter is the only thing I got, and he's going to be a little bit of a project. I mean, he looks like a poor man's Leonard Floyd. He's really fast off the off the edge. He really dips his hips well when he is coming around, but he needs to add some strength. He's a little lean. He can get bullied, especially if he's standing a little too tall, and he needs to work on some pass rush moves. But he's a very athletic outside linebacker, the likes of which we have not seen in a long time. I mean, he's definitely more athletic than Michael Bowley and Devon Kennard. So, I mean, we haven't really had a, we've never really had an outside linebacker on this team. No. And remember again, like I mentioned before, the goal, the only goal of this team is not to win the Super Bowl in 2019. You know, this is a bit, a bit of a project, but you know, he has the physical tools and he has, you know, the playing an SEC schedule. He's played against top talent. He played in the national championship. He played in the national championship game. He had that block. I mean, he's the, um, a good player. I mean, the raw talent is definitely there. He had that block in the Oklahoma game on that uh, that field goal. Yeah. So I mean, it's okay to take a. It's it's not a bit of too much of a reach or something to say. Well, he's a bit of a project. It's okay to, to get a guy like that when you see the potential for someone like him. Yeah, and he had the benefit of playing next to Roquan Smith, which is fine. But now he'll have the benefit of playing next to Alec Ogletree. Um, Further down in the third round, the Giants selected B.J. Hill, defensive tackle from NC State, a guy I was not on my radar because, you know, quite frankly, I, I thought we were okay with Damon Harrison and Dalvin Tomlinson, but I guess they felt the – I mean, they, they had said in the press conference later that the 98 to 95% of defensive snaps for JPP, Vernon, and Snacks were just – wasn't going to cut it. So they wanted a rotation. So BJ Hill is 6'3 and 320 pounds. Um, slated to go around this time, third, fifth round. You know, he's a tough run defender. And uh, this run defense was atrocious last year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, when you're kind of razor thin, you're, you're top heavy with your starters and nothing really behind it. You need like having that rotation. So I, I was fine with this. Yeah, it was just, it was just very startling I, I was not really expecting that but he's an athletic guy for his size um i mean i'm not going to say he's just like snacks or anything like that but he, he'll certainly have a, a we'll have a, we'll have a good rotation there with tomlinson hill and snacks he's and he's a little different too he's more of a pass rusher than a run stopper right a, so that's a little, a little bit more i mean snacks is like a pure run stuff the, the best exactly. run stuffer in the league but and when you say Tomlinson, you'd say is kind of more run stoppish than pass stopping. Right? Yeah, I would say so with Tomlinson, but I think he also 
is a little bit leaner. He can kind of slide outside into the defensive end position uh, in this in a, in a three four front. I think he could slide well, next well, this, to snacks. This is- this is the type of guy, if it's third and 12 or third and 13, if you want to give Snacks a little bit of a blow, maybe this is where you can slide him in and maybe absolutely you know, not mean, forcing to have him in on 98% of those snaps. Where I would before, say even like third and six, you can take Snacks out. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, we'll see how this rotation kind of develops. You know, training camp may not be the, the right place to see it, but we start getting into the season, how it's going to be utilized, so. This is this is the big one. In the fourth round, the Giants, with Jamarco Jones and Terrell Crosby, right tackles, still on the board, um, although both of them fell much further. The Giants selected Richmond quarterback Kyle Lauletta. I like Kyle. Um, I liked his senior bowl performance. I, I watched some tape afterwards, but not much. Um, but I don't know that I really understand this pick. I want to know what you I, think. I do. I understand okay. the pick. Go for it. My take is that they did not want to waste any cap space or real competition to Davis Webb. I think they're pretty comfortable with Davis Webb as the backup and the future heir apparent. So I think they bring in some guy because they want they need a third quarterback on the roster. Someone that, you know, could be under cheap control for a couple of years and they can groom to be a backup, but isn't really gonna push for Davis Webb. I think if they were not sure on Davis Webb, I think they would have, you know. A, I think they would have started at the very top, really considering something of a, of a, a top name quarterback. But to me, they also could have gone into the free agent market and picked up a, a perennial backup. I think this is just something just to fill up a space on the roster and be like an emergency, emergency backup. But not, you know, they are very committed to Davis Webb. That's what I read this to be. Okay. Um, I mean, there's another theory. Before I get into that, I'll kind of go into Kyle Oletta. So, yeah, uh, you know, for personally, I had him close to Mason Rudolph on my board, which was also close to Josh Allen. So, I mean, for him to go in the fourth round, I'll, I'll say this right off the bat, that was too low for him. He deserved to go probably in late second round. Um, He's incredibly accurate for playing at an FC, FCS school, um, and he's really advanced with using his eyes to manipulate linebackers and safeties and anticipating routes. Uh, You know, when you watch him throw the ball, it's it's – Great accuracy. He's really hitting guys in stride. Much better than Josh Allen. I can say that for damn sure. Um, and <laughs> he no plays Josh with a, Allen fan. <laughs> yeah. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, I mean, he's not happy that he was in high school, a highly touted quarterback in Florida of all places, and did not get accepted to a big program. Um, and he had to play his way onto the roster at Richmond, too. And he was also pissed off that he was not even in in conversation for one of the better quarterbacks in this draft. And I like that about him. It's a little Aaron Rodgers of him. Of Aaron Rodgers y of him. Uh his big thing is his arm strength. I mean, he can really get the ball downfield, but it's not it they're lollipops. They're not on a rope, and that's the kind of thing that's gonna get interceptions in the NFL with safety speed. Yeah, because I think we hear that a lot at these these quarterbacks. You know, arm arm strength, arm strength, arm strength is like, well, yeah, but he has great arm strength. It's like completion percentage is a bigger thing to me than overall arm strength. I you agree know? with you, and and I, I'm saying he, he doesn't come without knocks on him. And yeah, our arm strength sounds like kind of it's like the excuse, like the kind of well, he has arm strength, kind of like to justify if you like somebody or not. Where you know. yeah, I, I mean, 
at a certain level though you want you need the ball with some zip on it i, I i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not all for the josh allen type guy who can throw the ball 70 yards downfield that's really awesome and it is helpful in certain situations it definitely makes defenses have to play deep sure um but even in his short intermediate they need zip he's got to work on getting a little bit more velocity out of the ball and well let's let's compare him to over the last 10 years who giant backup quarterbacks were as far as arm strength accuracy well you know, well, where would you where 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 would you rank him among guys that you know that we've had? I mean, I would still put Davis Webb ahead of him, so we'll, we can okay. start most recent, and then before him, Ryan Nassib. I would put Ryan Nassib behind him. Okay, um, I thought Ryan Nassib also drafted in the fourth round was too high for him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, now now we're going into the territory of every quarterback that was back up to Eli Manning was simply a worst case scenario. I, David Carr, yeah. Um, I mean, David Carr is your ideal backup, a former first-round pick that didn't pan out because of reasons beyond his control. Or the, or the guy from uh, the, the Colts. What's his name? Uh, Jim Sorgi? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, guys like that, they're just there to be safe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're entering the, the territory of... And, and let's put this all in perspective what this pick was. This pick was not to be the Eli heir apparent. Well, this I mean, pick it, is... It's some... up for argument. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think so. I don't um, think so. I think I think he could push Davis Webb probably. I think I think they don't want Davis Webb to be comfortable. They don't want him to just be waiting. You know? I agree I agree with that, but I also like I said in the beginning of this is I don't think they wanted to pay too high a price just to keep Davis Webb. I think they I think they think enough of Davis Webb that he will be the heir apparent, but I don't think they want to spend too much salary cap space. Sure. And also public perception that Davis Webb if they let's say the Giants went ahead and they signed uh all right forget controversy for a minute a Colin Kaepernick type of guy as the backup what is that what is the fan base going to think of Davis Webb and what is perception going to yeah, be of Davis Webb that he can't they have a it. they have a lot of concerns about Davis Webb he's not going to be you know they don't think he's the guy they brought in someone to really you know, this is kind of like an unspoken let's pressure or keep the pressure on Davis Webb to, to get better and better and better. Nobody thinks that um, that is going to be you know, the future or anything. But at the same time, he's someone that will push him. So I think I think it takes public pressure off Davis Webb. I think there's a lot of pressure on Davis Webb right now. Yeah, I could agree with that. The other it's, the other thing is that um, people, I mean, for some obvious comparison reasons. Uh, think that he might fill a Jimmy Garoppolo role, who also played in the FCS, was passed over. Jimmy Garoppolo was by all means a, a potential starter right out of college. Well, not right out, but, you know, mm-hmm. d- definitely a guy who was not going to be just a, a body or a backup. Um, there's a chance that Kyle Oletta can be that. He could be a tradable asset, Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, you know, maybe he comes in and he puts some nice tape up for preseason. I mean, that tradable asset may not be this year. It could be next year. It could be the year after. Yeah. It could be after Eli is gone. You know, I don't think they would trade him before seeing Davis Webb really in action. Of course. But you know, um, you know, the Patriots had three potential starters on their roster last year and traded two of them. So you don't know what, you know, how a team wants to allocate its assets, how it wants to allocate its salary cap. You know, you, you don't know. We're still learning Dave Gettleman. Yeah. And what his his trends are, and what he values, and what he thinks is most important. So, 
hop into the fifth round, the Giants selected uh, Miami defensive tackle R.J. McIntosh. Now, this might be the biggest steal that they got in the draft. There's no reason McIntosh should have fell outside of the fourth round. He really should have been in the top, the, the upper side of the fourth round. Um, I had him rated in third round. Uh, so so R.J. McIntosh is a defensive tackle. He's a little bit lean uh, in, in that he's not a big body guy, you know. But he um, he could switch back and forth, I think, between the three technique and the five technique. So he can play along the line. He can play defensive end sort of in the three, four front. He's he's going to be a pass rusher. I mean, from the interior, we, we haven't really had that. I mean, Jerry Reese had tried with guys like Jay Bromley, et cetera, but – they weren't pass rushers, like you know, no. guys you feared. No. no, not at all. No, um, he's a real interior disruptor, and that that is going to pay huge dividends for this team. Um, you know, the best that we had in that position was having so many defensive ends that we could play guys like Jason Pierre-Paul at defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this this is a real true interior disruptor, and I I can't for the life of me figure out why he fell to the fifth round. He should not so- have been there. So what am I missing when I'm going through a lot of these different uh, sites and everything when they give their grades that he's graded so low as a pick for us? What I, am I missing? I don't know. I, I I think maybe just because – I don't know. I mean here's here's an example. I'm looking at Inside Football, which we, you know, we subscribe to and we love. Um, the most troubling thing about Macintosh is that he may have come out a year too early. That uh, uh, that but but I mean that's not that doesn't make it a bad pick. I mean he's that's no. that's his decision. He is now on the draft board. It's the Giants' yeah. decision whether or not to draft him, and they're picking him at a position where we, we. I mean I just went through it for the defensive interior line. You have Tomlinson, Hill, Snacks. There's plenty of time for him to develop. He doesn't. Well, that have sounds to be. that sounds like a strength to me. That means that sounds to me like we got him at a value pick then, yeah. because you know something. If he stayed another year, he might be a second or a first round pick. And costs far far more money and more invested in him. You got a guy now that you can kind of stash away on the roster. You know, will he develop faster in a year with an NFL strength and conditioning program exactly. and playing in an NFL as opposed to playing or in the ACC? You know, yeah, for playing for Miami, where you know they're all about nothing. <laughs> I, I mean, to, no, I'm serious. I mean, to me, you're going to have a far better nutritional program. You're going to have you know, a far better strength and conditioning program. You're going to Learn a system a year faster, so he's not a green rookie next year. He's gonna, you know, in 2019, he's gonna be a guy who's, you know, anything he plays this year will be a bonus. You know, I'm thinking in the fifth round, you know, how much in that rotation is he actually gonna be? But anything is gonna be a bonus as opposed to next year. So to me, that's a value pick, not a that's a strength. Yeah, I I like the pick a lot. I, I, I there's no reason he should have fallen this far. Like I said, you know, for him. Was his decision to come out a year early a wise decision for him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I mean, a lot of guys from that Miami team that played so well last year, they all left. So, you know, what does he have to gain to return from school except maybe a higher draft position? I mean, that has nothing to do with how much the Giants are going to pay for him, what they're going to get out of him. Yeah, I mean, he's also getting paid extra this year. I mean, in a, a paid extra, he's getting paid. Co- he doesn't get paid yeah. in college. So. Hey, well, Miami, who knows? <laughs> But, um, you know, a shelf life of an, an NFL player is only so long. Your opportunity to make money is only so long. You know, we don't know his story. He might have, you know, 15 brothers and sisters and no parents and has to support him, you know. Yeah. So, uh, you know, 
the reasons – I haven't seen a real firm reason why this is a bad pick, but people are grading it as a low pick. So maybe it's just that sheep mentality that, that people have and, you know, I don't know. I mean the one comparison I saw which would be concerning for Giants fans is he was compared to Marvin Austin, who was a massive bust for the Giants in the second round. I mean I can But that's a second-round that. pick. Yeah. That's a second-round pick. You have a lot more invested in your – you know, a lot more of your reputation on the line with first and second round picks and a fifth round pick. My, my, the thing for me that makes it different from Marvin Austin is that the big knock on him is that there was a good chance that he was going to be lazy, and that's what it turned out to be. I have not heard that about R.J. McIntosh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I, to me, in the fifth round, this is good value. This is a good pick. I like this pick. I'm not sure that it was really a need as an interior disruptor with the guys that we have, but, you know... If if it takes him two years to develop, three years to develop, where are Snacks going to be then? Is he still going to be on this roster? Will we be able to yeah. afford him? Will he want to retire? We don't know. Yeah. I mean, again, this is going back to my theme, that this is the first year of a rebuilding process for a team that may or may not need a complete rebuild. <laughs> really, It's hard to analyze it. We're a very unique team, the Giants, where injuries and bad coaching played such a part in the – 12 and four to three and 13 drop that we don't really know what we need, what this team really needs. So, and Gettleman's been on the job for how long? Three months. Yeah. I think that this draft went really well. I I mean, I know fans probably wanted more offensive line. I know I certainly had some blinders on because I was watching the guys that were falling and hoping they would fall to us. But Um, you want to talk about um, the, uh, the free agents we drafted. Are we, picked up after the draft or yeah yeah i mean i can mention a couple of them i don't know that many of them uh mm-hmm. i do know two uh the giants selected temple safety sean chandler um i did I, I didn't watch any of his tape but i did you know read a little bit about him I, I took a look into him um i mean he's a cornerback who switched to free safety i mean we talked about how safety was kind of an issue especially the free safety spot um you know, Temple's not really a program where you're going to blow people away unless you're blowing people away. So I, I think that he could certainly come in there just like Andrew Adams and compete for a spot and maybe win a spot. It's certainly possible. Um, the only other guy that I knew anything about was Penn State cornerback Grant uh, Grant Haley. Um, he's pretty fast. He ran uh, 4440. So I, I think at his height of 5'9", he's probably going to be competing for a dime or nickel spot in the NFL, and I think there's a big jump from Penn State playing corner to the NFL. So I think that he's kind of like another Dante Dion where, you know, he's going to be a special teams player and, uh, you know, probably a gunner or something like that, and he might be able to fight his way into being the sub-package of the dime or nickel, but he's a he's a fighter. He's He's... He's another special teams guy too. He had a big yeah. block oh, in the Ohio he? State game a couple of years ago. Yeah, he blocked a uh, um, a field goal. We got ran back for a touchdown. So you know he has some hops if he's only five nine. And those are the only two I know. But uh, there were some others. Uh, Georgia cornerback Aaron Davis. I don't know anything about him. East Carolina wide receiver Devon Grayson. Jawill Davis, wide receiver from Bethune Cookman. I don't even know where that is. And Cookman is in Daytona Beach. It's they play Florida A and M every year in the Florida Classic, a historically black college. Okay, all right. And uh, Nebraska offensive lineman Nick Gate. Um, they're in Lincoln. They're in Lincoln, Nebraska. They play in the Big Ten now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that that was the Giants draft. How would you grade it overall? If you were to give it a grade right now, based on all we've talked about. I would say I'm very pleased. Yeah, I, I would <laughs> agree with that. I um, yeah. My I, biggest yeah. thing is is if Gettleman is going to let Saquon Barkley fall victim to the same thing David Wilson did and have no offensive line to run behind. Um, if if they can really commit to getting him somebody to run behind, this will be the right move. If they are going to put their focus elsewhere and hope that he can just kind of make things happen on his own, it's it's the wrong idea. Well, Gettleman has said his three axioms for this team are run the ball, stop the run, and pass and, and rush the passer. Yeah. So if his number one thing is run the ball, can't do it with smoke and mirrors on an offensive line. And I no. think this offensive line already is in, improved significantly from where it was this time last year. Yeah. I and, and I think that. and I think what happens at right tackle will be, you know, yeah, there's a huge Will, swing there. If Eric Flowers yeah, goes in there and it, plays well versus if it, yeah. Or if Chad Wheeler can make some, you know, if he puts on bulk and mass in the offseason and gets it, I mean we don't know. And it's an unknown. But that again, I'm gonna go back to my Rome wasn't built in a day, it doesn't need to be built in a day. Yeah. You know, we don't you know, we should have cap we're gonna have some nice cap relief next year because of the JPP trade. You know, yeah. maybe we can go out and, you know, the final pieces that are needed. We don't, we have to do a complete rebuild in the offensive line next year. And yeah. we, we made that decision when we didn't try to say, resign Pew and uh, what's in Richburg anymore. So yeah. last thing is where do you see, you know, now that we've gone through free agency, now that we've gone through the draft, what do you see are the, and we do this all the time, either we're sitting together at the game or on this show. What are the biggest needs going forward? Um, I mean, I'm still concerned about the corner position. Uh, you know, a lot is riding on Eli Apple and whether or not he gets his act together. Um, there's some veteran backup going on there, but it's not really not really something I would hang my hat on. Although DRC is still waiting for a call. So, uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, I'm concerned about the right side of the line. A lot hangs on Eric Flowers and whether he gets it. Chad Wheeler, uh, who's going to play right guard if it's – John Jerry or Patrick Omame, and we don't really know that either one of those is the right choice. Um, there's, there's also a couple of things I, I feel a little more comforting, and I think this is a coaching call more than anything else, is that I think we will see more protection from the right tackle with, you know, tight ends more and tight, backs, tight yeah. ends and, and fullback and just maybe, you know, Eric Flowers was left on an island a lot last year. Yeah. And a lot of that was coaching, you know. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna pet the man up and do it himself. Well, you know, something. Sometimes you need help with chipping and, and these different things on that to help out your your tackle. And I think you're gonna see with this coaching staff more of an effort to protect the weak link on this offensive line. So, you know, again, having you know a tight end who can provide more protection on that side. You know, a guy like Barkley who can block. These are things that we didn't have before. So it's not just purely on the talent of who's playing. I think we're going to scheme a little bit to help that as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, Ben McAdoo is famously stubborn in sticking with his 11 personnel and his, his little script. And, you know, Mike Shula and, um, Pat Shermer are notorious for adapting schemes to the talent that they have. So if there is a lack of talent at a spot, they will adapt the scheme to figure it out. 
There, there are ways to cover up one side of the offensive line not doing well. Right. Um, and, this is not, and this is not an offensive line that needs an entire offensive line being covered up. I think now we're starting to get yeah, to yeah. – that, that would be the hope, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm still a little concerned about Mike Shula. And just based uh, on yeah, uh, you know, past I'm, experiences, <laughs> I, I get understand. it. I I get it that uh, you know, the head coach will be calling a lot of the, he'll be calling the plays and everything, so it takes the pressure off him. But you know, I have a 20 year history of watching Mike Shula coaching assorted teams that kind of impact me, and uh, we'll have to wait and see about that one. <laughs> Addressing special teams, which we didn't do. Yeah, you know, I I was pretty bummed to see that the Raiders. Were, went full Raiders and took both the Florida punter and kicker. Um, well, the kicker was a the kicker was a free agent. Nobody drafted Pinero. He was a is that signing. True? That's true. That super pisses me off because that should have been a priority for us. Yes, um, we, we didn't. Uh, Johnny Townsend was drafted by the Raiders, I believe, in the fifth round, and then Pinero was an unrestricted free agent, and they. Snatched him up within seconds, I think, after the draft was over, which well, is I mean, a smart those, move those, by the Raiders. Those phone calls happened during the seventh round. Yeah. You know, and at that point, guys are kind of hoping they're not getting drafted because they're probably getting paid more. Probably. That's true. So, so um, that's one area of uh, concern we still have to kind of figure out between now and um, the first game. Yeah, I mean, you you can follow me on Twitter, at football underscore grump. I was very active during the draft. I had my initial reactions to every pick in days one and two. Day three, I was actually out and following it on Twitter, so I could not do that. But, um, yeah, there's live video of me there being dramatic <laughs> and somewhat a little bit drunk. But if, if we don't win a Super Bowl, he may win an Academy Award, so oh, it was very it was entertaining. <laughs> you can follow me, as always, at The Cranky Fan, where I will be – talking about the fact that the Gators had two guys drafted who didn't even play last year drafted higher than two quote unquote superstar stud Knowles. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> and as always, you can find the show on Twitter at just giants pod. It's available on iTunes, just giants and SoundCloud. Yeah. Uh, give us a five-star rating and give us a nice review so we can get more, Giant fans to follow us, we can interact with them, and more importantly, we can actually get sponsors so we can get paid. Yeah, more more content. You know, if I if I had more time, I could do it. But. Yeah, if we had if we actually had money, we would spend more time doing this. But <laughs> as our as our wives and girlfriends always tell us, get a job. So. <laughs> All right, everyone, go Giants! Go Giants!